the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM 630 KSLR is proud to feature our Church of the Week. Our desire is that you will get to know the pastors and churches in our community and find a church you and your family can call home. Here's the host of the Church of the Week program, Director of Ministry Development, Mark Langoria. Hello and welcome to today's program. My name is Mark Longoria, Director of Ministry Development here at KSLR Radio in San Antonio. And we are so honored to have here in studio with us today, Pastor Aaron Trainer. Uh, he's the senior pastor over at Brook Hill Baptist Church here in San Antonio. Pastor, welcome to the studio. Mark, it's so nice to be here. Thank you for having Thank us. Thank you. It's an honor to have you. And uh, we want to get to know who you are, get to know about the church and what God is doing out there at Brook Hill. So let's get started, first of all, with uh, just you personally. Tell us a little bit about your background, uh, where you come from, how you ended up here in San Antonio. Well, I grew up here in San Antonio my whole life. Um, I went to East Central High School and um, became a Christian when I was 16 years old. I became a Christian while I was attending Cokesbury Methodist Church on Gillette Street on the south side of San Antonio. Um, went to McCollum for a little while, and there I played basketball and enjoyed all of those uh, activities. Uh, was very active in the youth groups there, yeah. uh, very active at East Central and Youth for Christ Club, and uh, started to have just a wonderful time. Went to do lay witness missions for quite a while, and all over the state of Texas, went mm. to uh, enjoy all those things. When um, I came to a time where I had to go to employment after a, a stint in, at Baylor, I came back to San Antonio and went to work for a major grocery chain here in San Antonio. And I spent the next 20 years there um, in various jobs with that grocery company. Started uh, cleaning up the meat markets, and at the end of the career, I was uh, leading the entire store. And so it was a great challenge and a lot of fun. Wow. I've only uh, been a pastor in San Antonio here for about a year and a half. Yeah. Uh, so this is all fairly new to me. Well, now, Brook Hill's been around for about 50 years or so. Yes. Right? Uh, we started, had our first service at Brook Hill, uh, December 1st, 1957, I believe. Wow. And so it has uh, quite a history. And when did you find out about Brook Hill? How did you find out about it? Well, my daughter started going to there, actually, uh, in the youth group with yeah. a man named Jay and got very involved there. She became a Christian at a youth camp. Mm-hmm. And so we started attending. But the Lord took us, me and my wife, Ginger, uh, to another area. And uh, we we became um, members of Believers Baptist, and there I was licensed to preach. And then I, uh, after a period of time, I went to Southeast Baptist Church. Jerry Cosper there mentored me and put me on staff as the associate pastor. I spent a year there as associate pastor. Mm-hmm. And uh, then Brookhill was in need of someone to fill in. So I began filling in for them, uh, not planning at all to become the senior pastor there. Uh, we developed a relationship. I fell in love with the people of Brook Hill, and I've been there ever since. Wow. And what year was that? 
that you ended up there? Uh, it was 2010, January 24, 2010. They called me to be the pastor. All right. So how are you liking it? What's going on there at Brookhill? Well, it's quite different from uh, the experience of the corporate world. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> uh, relying on volunteers and not being able to uh, have 500 people on staff to just wow. go and do everything that you wanted to have done yeah. makes a huge difference. Of course. Much more challenging, but much more enjoyable at the same time. Mm-hmm. Now, are, are there um, are there any things that you brought in from the corporate world that you have implemented into uh, into the church and building a church, or are there some things that you just had to completely separate and say, I can't bring that mentality into the church? Well, I believe that God really equips us with all the things that we need to do ministry. And I think everything that's happened to us in the past, all is relevant to the ministry we do today. Mm-hmm. At Brookhill, uh, the first challenge I saw was bringing the cost down. And so my grocery background uh, led me to begin to cut in some of the areas that I saw some waste of, of God's uh, resources. Sure. And so uh, I quickly reduced uh, the expenses there of the church dramatically. Well, God's called us to be good stewards uh, of the money that he puts in, in uh, for us to, to handle. And uh, I think you're right. A lot of the times we focus so much on spending here and there and trying to make things look better and uh, in a sense kind of trying to keep up with the Joneses, if you will. Um, in in church, and we end up misspending money. Yes. And we end up buying things that we really don't need in order to help us further the gospel. Really what I found, Mark, was when I got there, a lot of our suppliers, the people who picked up the garbage, the people who wrote our insurance for us, were very willing to work with us driving down our cost. Yeah. And uh, it really didn't detract from any of the things that we were doing spiritually. It just gave us more finances to do some of those things uh more appropriately. Well, I think that's honorable. You know, folks are giving their hard-earned money. They're being faithful in their tithe. They're being faithful in their offering. And they're they're depending on you as a pastor and the administrators to ensure that uh, that this money that they are donating towards this cause that obviously they connected with, this cause uh, that they believe in, um, to make sure that, that the money is being spent well and is not being just thrown into things that are not absolutely necessary. So... I'm sure that your your folks are appreciative of some of the things that you've done. Well, these are these are tough times, and the church needs to do everything they can to stretch every dollar that God gives us. Yeah, yeah, and I believe that applies also at home. You know, for us as uh, ministers, as priests of our home, you know, what are we doing for our families that uh, maybe there's some spending that uh, that's a little extra that we just got to get rid of, and that we'd like to have. Maybe it's nice to have, but isn't absolutely necessary. There are some other things that are priority. You know, God's uh, in Corinthians 10 tells us to uh, bring every thought captive to Mm -hmm. Christ. And so I think that applies also in finances. I think he challenges us in many ways to bring everything that we do, every thought, every even the smallest and most minute thoughts, bring them captive to Christ. And I believe that that extends into the financial world, but more importantly, into the spiritual world as well. Yeah. There's a lot of things that come into our homes, I believe, today that are dangerous for us and for our children and our families. Mm-hmm. And we need to bring those types of things before the altar of Christ and make sure that they are appropriate for our family. Well, we're speaking today with uh, Pastor Aaron uh, Trainer from Brookhill Baptist Church. And uh, tell us, Pastor, what, uh, where along your life did you decide, you know what, I'm going to be a pastor? Well, How did that happen? <laughs> when um, I was a senior in high school, I went and talked to my guidance counselor, and he told me that it was obvious that I should be a pastor. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, to be honest, It sir, was obvious, huh? I, wow. said, I said, well, sir, there's uh, absolutely no way I can do that. They put in such long hours and make such little money yeah. that uh, I'm not sure that God's calling me for that. 
uh, I went and it, it was several years later, actually, when I was working in the carpet world, that I began to have a hunger and a thirst to teach his word. Mm. And the, the hunger became so undeniable that there was no way I could refute it. And so through the course of a few years, the Lord began to speak in my heart and uh, bring me to the place of wanting to minister. It started with teaching a Sunday school class. Mm-hmm. Uh, and from there, uh, it grew to where I wanted to speak before other people. The Lord began to pour in messages into my heart that I just couldn't keep for myself. I had to share with others. Wow. Um, when I was uh, in doing the associate pastor work at Southeast, I had an opportunity to begin to do prison ministry. And the first time I went to the prison, uh, we had 25 men come forward and share mm-hmm. that they wanted to receive Christ as their Savior. Uh, when God began to call me into that prison ministry, I, I asked God, are you sure that you want me to do that? Because the only thing I've really ever done in my life has gotten two traffic tickets. I've never been involved with the law. My father was a policeman. Mm-hmm. I had no business in the prison system uh, talking to criminals. And yet the Lord began to draw me into that place and said, in your weakness, I will be made strong. Mm. And through that strength, uh, I began to enjoy prison ministry dramatically. Wow. Uh, some of the greatest experiences I've ever had are to stand in a prison and talk to men who are hungering and thirsting for God. Yeah. Wow. And are you still doing that today? Yes, I'm still involved with uh, prison ministry, Walk by Faith, uh, Brother Bill McMillan and his lovely wife. They go out faithfully every single week, twice a week, to do mm-hmm. hold classes. We hold classes with about 35 men in them. And um, at the prison that we go to, it's really a, a local jail. And in that, we have a lot of transitional prisoners that come and go. They're not there for long tenures most of the time. And uh, so we get a lot of turnover. And it gives me an opportunity to, to speak to other people that aren't regulars, uh, men who have just come in for a short time. And then after they become Christians, they get to take that out to the all parts of Texas hmm. and, and to the prisons where they will eventually be stationed. So for someone that might be listening um, that – uh, feels drawn to prison ministry, but maybe their church doesn't offer it or they don't know anyone that's connected to it. Is this something that they could just call you guys and say, hey, I'd like to you know, volunteer some of my time or how do I get this started at my church? Oh, absolutely. Uh, prison ministry is one of the most amazing ministries that a church can have. It's very mm-hmm. scriptural to yes. go into the prisons. But And God blesses it dramatically. You have people that are separated from their loved ones. Many times, many of these men have not received a letter from their family mm. in years. Uh, they're completely alienated from all of the outside world. And in that, they become hungry for God to intervene in their life and to give them that peace that they're lacking. Yeah. Um, I have had, we've had, I guess, over 400 people receive Christ in the last two years through that little 35-member uh, Bible study that we have on Mondays and Tuesdays. People would be uh, able to call the church, Brook Hill Baptist Church, and get a hold of me, Aaron Trainer, and I could put you in touch. Uh, it's a process. You have to go through a class at the prison in order to go in, and they uh, tell you about all the dangers there, uh, that when you're in there that you would be treated exactly like one of the prisoners if a riot breaks out or anything bad happens. Wow. Uh, yeah. And so, And I was a little apprehensive when I first went. But the first time I walked in through the gates and through the locked doors and I heard all those things, I felt the peace of God come over my heart, which mm-hmm. was unexplainable. And I felt perfectly at home and, more importantly, perfectly safe there. I felt no uh, apprehension about being there whatsoever. Yeah. Jesus said in the Gospels, uh, I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick 
and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. This is so biblical. These are the words of Jesus Christ, yet so many people that call themselves Christian, and we're not here to judge, and, but I'm just saying uh, we, we miss out on such a beautiful experience. Uh, so many people have just lived a Christian life for decades and uh, will end up going on to be with the Lord and never walk into a prison, never know what it's like to minister to somebody that is literally locked up and, um, and like you said, has no contact with their family. It's just a, a beautiful experience. I've been able to do that, and it's, uh, it's like no other. You know, Mark, I think one of the most important things that God does for us is he gets us out of our comfort zone. Yeah. And once we get into an area where we are totally unfamiliar of what to expect or what's going to take place, we rely so much on God and his Holy Spirit to enter us that when those things happen, uh, we become anointed with his power to do things that were just beyond us our whole lives. Mm -hmm. It opens up an avenue to our world that we have never experienced before, and we find there in the midst of that the glory of God in our own lives. Yeah. You know, Jesus said that greater things shall they do, uh, and I believe that we are doing that today. Not not to say that we're greater than Jesus, but uh, he himself said that we would be able to do greater things. And um, you and I are sitting here today in a studio, air-conditioned, you know, having a good time, sitting around uh, chatting about the goodness of the Lord. Yet, as we sit here, we are reaching inside uh, inside prisons. We are reaching all the way into into different jail cells. We're reaching into nursing homes and, and other homes where they feel like hope is gone and hope is lost. Uh, we are, in fact, fulfilling the very words of Jesus Christ by simply being here and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? Th- that's incredible. You know, what a great opportunity God has given us in this medium. Yeah. The, uh, the hope that is restored is the most important thing, I think, that you can add to people's lives. So much in the world today, we sense that hope is lost. Mm-hmm. Um, in that prison, I oftentimes will ask the men, how many of you have children at home, small children? And almost to a man, every man will raise his hand. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, for every man here, there are two or three children outside that are longing for the presence of their dad. And I tell these men over and over again, you have no business being in this place. You need to be home with your families, providing for them the love and security that they need. And in that, they find hope to know that when they get out of there, they will never again return to a place like that. Their families find hope because they realize that their husbands, their dads have been changed and transformed. They're no longer the people that went into prison, but now they are a new creation and that God's love has transformed their lives and that they now have a passion for their families that they did not have before. It's a great opportunity. Yeah. You know, the our national statistics are staggering. Uh, I wish I had them in front of me, but I've seen them before. And it's amazing if you just go and do a little bit of research and find out uh, – how there is uh, such an increase in the percentage of children, both boys and girls, in the area of suicide, in the area of sexual promiscuity, uh, in the area of drugs and alcohol and runaways. I mean, if if they live in a fatherless home, their chances of getting involved in that junk and that stuff goes way up. It's it's incredible. At at Brookhill, we live in a fairly depressed neighborhood. We're uh, close to city base. And it and in one meeting last year, my wife asked uh, the children that were in a youth meeting, how many children uh, had uh, parents, both parents at home? Mm-hmm. There were 31 children, and one child raised her hand and said both parents were at home out of 31 children. 
Wow. That's the world that we live in. That's the world that Brookhill is, is part of. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's wonderful. I'm glad that uh, you guys are, are actively involved in prison ministry. Tell me about some of the things that are going on at Brookhill that uh, God is doing out there. Well, the, the children's ministry is amazing. We have a thing called What in the World? And uh, my wife started this up. Uh, Ginger saw that there was a need in children's lives after some of the disasters that were taking place in the world. And it seems like with the mass media, CNN, and all the different stations, that we are so aware of all of the disasters and crises that reach our world. Mm. And a lot of times, children don't know how to deal with these crises. And they are lost in, in their emotions, and they're not sure how to deal with all of their feelings. Mm-hmm. And my wife has began something that uh, takes those children. She breaks them up into groups, and she looks at the natural disasters, and she teaches them how to pray for the natural disasters. Mm-hmm. This form of prayer really teaches them how to deal with these situations and deal with them mentally and spiritually. And so it helps them to uh, find peace in the midst of the crises that are facing our world. Wow. Well, what can somebody expect <clears throat> when they uh, come and they visit uh, Brook Hill Baptist Church? Uh, well, tell me a little bit about the culture that you have there. How are the people? How are the folks? Well, we, we have a very loving congregation. Yeah. Uh, when I first got there, we were running about 35 people. And in about a year and a half, we've raised that to about 75, 85 people. All right. So we're excited about all of that. But more importantly than the numbers, it's the spirit of the church. I had a man come and, uh, recently who joined our church. And he told me that uh, about seven years ago, he made a promise that he would never enter the gates of Brook Hill again. Wow. And when he came back, he felt the love of Christ in that place. And he said, Aaron, this is a new place. It's a new beginning for Mm. this place. And he says, I'm so excited to see what God is doing here in this place because I feel that this is transitioned into a place of love and comfort and peace. And uh, so we've, we've had several people come back. And uh, realize that, uh, you know, after 50-something years, you've gone through a lot of people in the community. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it's so refreshing to hear that people come back and they say, this seems like a new place to us. Mm-hmm. The, the draperies are all the same. The carpet may be the same. It's a little bit dated in all of its uh, surroundings. Yeah. It was built in the early uh, 60s. Yeah. Uh, but the Spirit of God is afresh and anew in it. Amen. We had uh, three people receive Christ as Savior last week. Awesome. Uh, a baptism. Uh, there's just a new spirit That's there. what it's about. And that, it makes it so much, it's so enjoyable, Mark, to, to come into the place. I can't wait to get up in the morning and get to Brook Hill so that I can start my day and enjoy what God is doing in the midst of his people. The amazing thing is, is that um, there's so much more love there than I've experienced in the past at any church that I've known. The people, um, last week I had a lady come to me and she says, I wanted to go to someone and tell them that, uh, I had bad feelings towards them. Mm. And I thought to myself, now this is really the spirit of God at work in our lives. This is where we really know that church is really being effective, where people will humble themselves enough to go to someone else and says, you know, I've sinned against you because I've had harbored these bad feelings. Yeah. And I want to make things right with you. That's great. Uh, the love is just growing by leaps and bounds. We're really under attack also at the same time uh, with a lot of illness in the church. Hmm. We've had uh, several people who've come down with cancer recently and serious life-threatening forms of cancer. And uh, it's so wonderful to see this new attitude at Brookhill We'll have them come down to the front of the church, and literally the whole church will come and surround them with their love and pray for them for their healing. Yeah. And uh, there's just a new light that's shining into our world through 
his presence there. Wow. You mentioned love. You mentioned the ministry of reconciliation. You mentioned the ministry of healing. Uh, so all these things are just uh, alive and well uh, at Brook Hill. Obviously, the Spirit of God is there because these are the things that the Holy Spirit does. Uh, beginning with the first one, love. Um, God said that above all, we ought to love him with everything we've got and in the same manner, love one another. So that brings forth also the ministry of reconciliation for those that have uh, whether it's Brookhill or any other church anywhere around, those that have left the church because of some type of offense, of some type of disagreement or something, um, love has got to be restored. And the ministry of reconciliation is part of who we are and what we've called, we've been called to do. And uh, so we've got to say, hey, you know what? Enough of my little pity party and enough of my, uh, you know whatever uh, emotional uh, stress that I've been through because of what happened. It's behind me. It's gone. I need to come back. I need to make things right. I need to connect to the local church. What would you say to somebody that has, has walked away from their church uh, offended? Because I'm sure there are plenty, although they may not uh, uh, they may not volunteer and say, yes, it's, it's me. I know there's plenty that have left uh, church for one reason or another because of some type of offense. You know, Mark, I think a lot of the problem lies in the church itself. We've lost really the understanding of what love truly is mm. in our churches. We use the same kind of love, the same kinds of definitions for love uh, that the rest of the world uses. Yeah. You know, it's this feeling of, if you do for me, then I will love you. Right. And we see it in marriages. Many marriages are founded on this kind of barter system of love, mm-hmm. this, this conditional form of love that says, you know, if you care and meet my needs, then I will love you in return. It's a conditional love, yeah. And we've brought into this, we've brought this kind of love into the church, and we've we've begun to establish it as God's love. And you know, the devil's job is to teach us lies mm-hmm, exactly. uh, continuously. He's and the he's, father of lies. He's the father of lies, and so he's tried to teach the church a a uh, a form of love that isn't scriptural. Right. And in that people are offended. Mm-hmm. And when they become offended, this conditional form of love takes root in their heart and they begin to be embittered against someone else. Yeah. And when that bitterness takes root, then you really have problems because you've gotten so far off of scripture and the scriptural foundation that God can no longer bless that union of people. Yeah. And, and so if we will just simply go back to that original first Corinthians form of love, which is unconditional, you know, for I, I believe that the church has bought into this idea that this is some kind of standard that we are supposed to try to obtain too. But I believe that that is God's standard, which says this is the minimal amount yeah. of what love looks like. Yeah. And if you have a different form of love that looks different than this, then be careful because it may be a worldly form of love, which is really going to do more damage in the long run yeah. than good. It's the unconditional love of Jesus Christ giving up his life when we didn't deserve it, when we didn't do anything to deserve it. He gave up his life. The Father sending his son to to crucify him on the cross. That's the type of love we ought to have. It's unconditional. It's not because I'm going to love you because you deserve it or because you did this for me. It's a love simply because God has called us to love with everything we've got. Love all people. Love all races. It's just amazing once you get that revelation and begin to live it. The, the tricky road that most people go down is is that we, we try to, to get that form of love as best we can. Mm-hmm. But when somebody offends us, we throw it all out the window. Yeah. And we, don't, we blame them for not loving us the way that we were supposed to be loved. But at the same time, actually, we're not loving them the way that we want them to love us. That's the reality. And that's the world we live in. That's right. 
Well, as we begin to, to wind down, Pastor, um, tell us a little bit about uh, uh, what's going on. Are there uh, some, some things coming up, uh, any type of uh, events that are coming up at Brook Hill that you'd like everyone to know about? We're very excited about a, a concert that's going to take place on October 30th at 10.50 a.m. at 631 Utopia at Brook Hill Baptist Church. Stephen Hill, a national recording artist, will be there. Uh, he is donating his time to come and share. Now, the wonderful thing about Stephen is, is that he's not only a singer. He doesn't just come to sing, but he comes to minister in mm-hmm. song. And his heart is that he could touch the lives of people, that their lives may be transformed into the glory of the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And so we're very excited about that. Right after that concert, we're going to go from there right into a churchwide picnic. And uh, there's going to be old-timey booths there, uh, yeah. some uh, trading posts, we're, we're uh, rocking chairs, checkers, uh, just an old-time kind of enjoyment of fun. Nice. We'll have an uh, overall contest and uh, crazy hat contest and eating contest, just all kinds of enjoyment and fun. Uh, it's free to the public, and everyone's invited. Awesome. Well, uh, if you could make it out to this uh, to this event, that'd be great. Sunday, October 30th, uh, there at Brook Hill Baptist Church, uh, 631 Utopia Avenue. Uh, it's at uh, 1050 a.m. If you miss this for whatever reason, I'm sure um, there will be plenty of other events and things going on. But don't, you know what? Uh, don't wait for the next event. Get to church. Uh, when are your church services? Sunday morning? Sunday morning at 1050. Mm-hmm. And then Sunday night at 6 p.m. Okay. And Wednesday at 630. Well, there you we go. also have a prayer walk at uh, 1030 on Wednesday morning. And we walk around the church. We, we express the needs and pray for people in the church. Awesome. Well, we'll uh, for, for a half hour now, we've been talking to uh, uh, Pastor Aaron Trainer from Brookhill Baptist Church, and we want to invite you on behalf of the church, on behalf of this radio station here at AM630 KSLR, go out and find you a local church. If you're near Brookhill or uh, I've, I've heard someone say a, a church alive is worth the drive. So even if you're not around Brookhill and you've liked what you've heard here today, you like the testimony of Pastor Aaron uh, Trainer, and you like what he's talking about as far as his church and the ministry over there, go out there and visit him. They're located at 631 Utopia Avenue here in San Antonio. Phone number, if you'd like to write it down and give them a call for more information, is 210-333-4947. And you can also visit them on the uh, Internet at brookhillbaptistchurch.com. Pastor, it's been awesome to have you. Thank you so much for spending some time here with us and telling us a little bit about what's going on at Brookhill Baptist Church. We bless you in the name of Jesus. Thank you so much, Mark. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today as we featured the AM630 KSLR Church of the Week. We hope that during this past half hour, you've had a chance to get to know the pastor and learn something about their church. We encourage you to get involved in your local community church. If you'd like to nominate your pastor to be featured on an upcoming Church of the Week program, simply submit your nomination at kslr.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.